It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hi there, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Speedway Show. This is a continuation of our topic from last week, Where There's a Will. And some of you know the rest of that normally is where there's a will, there's a way. And I'm going to tell you where there's a will, there's more peace. Last week, we talked about why you should have a will. A poll published by ABC News found that 50% of Americans don't have a will. I bet that number is probably higher. And maybe higher still if you factor in all the people who claim to have a will but haven't looked at it in years or couldn't find it with a satellite probe. So that is the topic of our discussion today. If you're wondering why having a will is so important, listen to last week's show. If you did and you're still wondering about that, listen to last week's show. All that to say, have a will. Now, some of you may know I am a lawyer, which is why these kinds of things are near and dear to my heart. So I do this as a service to my community to urge all of you to have a will. I'm not going to give you legal advice, but I am going to give you some tips about things you should be thinking about with regards to your will. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's all very interesting, but where on earth am I even going to start to put together a will? Fortunately, with the dawn of the Internet, that has gotten much, much easier. You don't even have to pay a ton of money to some lawyer somewhere to draft from scratch a will for you. You can get on the Internet and you can go to websites that are out there like LegalZoom.com and others that will help you start with a template and you can put together a will that is going to be um, consistent with the requirements of the state in which you live. That would be my suggestion. Visit Seaway.com for links to other useful sites and places you can get educated about certain aspects of your will and estate planning process. So here we go with a couple of tips. What to think about when you are considering the things to put in the will itself. Decide whom you want to give your assets to and be clear about it. So who do you want to give most of your estate to? Now, when I say the word estate, you might be thinking, well, I sure don't have an estate. Yes, 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 you do. If you own anything that is in your name, you have an estate. Rich people are not the only people who have estates. An estate doesn't require you to have a lot of money and a whole lot of stuff. For example, let's suppose that you are a Joe Blow average citizen, and you have a house, and your house has a mortgage. You have a bank account. You might have a checking account. You might have a savings account. You might have both. Let's suppose that you're one of those people who 
uh, decided to do the smart thing when you started working or at some point in your life and you started putting together a little retirement package. So you've got a 401k or maybe you've got some life insurance or perhaps you've got um, um, even a term life insurance policy. And uh, let's suppose that uh, you've got uh, you know, maybe a few other things. You might even have a brokerage account. You have a car. You might have two. Uh, you and, let's say you're married, you and your spouse have some assets that you share together. The bank account is in both your names. The um, house is in both your names. And oh, by the way, you've got a mortgage on the house. You've got a note on the cars. And, um, but at the end of the day, you've got some stuff. All of that stuff is your estate. might not feel like much to you, but it is considered your estate. And whether you like it or not, Something is going to have to happen to all that stuff that has your name on it at the time of your death. So everybody should have a will. If you're old enough to have a job, if you're old enough to have a car, if you're old enough to be listening to this show, you should have a will. Other things that you can decide in your will. You can even decide things like, do you want to, how do you want to be buried? Do you want to be buried or would you prefer to be cremated? Where do you want your ashes scattered? Now, um, I will say this to you. This is an opportunity to state your preferences, but don't get carried away. Okay? Because, remember, this is the body that will be left behind after your soul is long gone. Okay? At that point, it really isn't going to matter to you what happens to your body. You will have left it, okay? It may matter some to the people who are left behind, but, you know, for them, um, you're not in that body either. You're gone. So let's not get too carried away. You know, I insist on having a pink, gold, gilded coffin that is made from this particular kind of wood and that comes from this particular place. I mean, you know, let's just not get carried away. Because remember that somebody else is going to have to do as, as closely as they can. They're going to have to follow your wishes. And so don't create a complete nightmare for all these people that you leave behind because now you have made things so specific and you've tried to control so much that you're gone that it just creates a huge headache, okay? If there are people who are close to you in bloodline or relationship and whom you do not want to inherit, my suggestion is specifically say that in your will. In the first episode on this topic, We talked about Tupac Shakur, whose parents were both presumably entitled to inherit his estate because he died without a will, but who was estranged from his father. Had Tupac had a will, and had he intended that his father would get nothing out of his estate, not only should he have kept silent and not given his father anything, but he should have said in his will, I'm specifically excluding my dad. Now, maybe not in those words, but he should have specifically said he didn't want his dad to inherit. Why? Because the laws presume that there are certain people who will get part of your estate if you die. 
like your children, like your spouse, like your, your parents if you don't have a spouse or if you don't have children, okay? If you have a will that doesn't say, I specifically exclude, then those people that you don't want to take part of your estate may come back and say, oh, he just forgot. He just didn't think that I would want to inherit as his dad, but had he known, he would have intended to give me the money. That creates a problem for the people who do know, who would say, well, actually, I know Tupac pretty well, and I'm pretty sure that he would not have wanted his mother to have to share the estate with his father, because actually, um, you know, he didn't have a good relationship with his dad, and his mom did all of the raising of this child, and it would be unfair in his view, and I'm pretty sure. Tupac would not have wanted his dad to inherit. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying in the event that that's true, then it would have been all cleared up if if Tupac had simply said so. So think about your relatives. Often this happens, this comes up with parents and children. I am a parent, and let's suppose I have, you know, a couple of kids, and they're all at different stages in terms of their age, their financial dependence on me, the relationship that I have with them, and what I would want to give them. If I decide that one of those children is not to inherit for whatever reason, I should say that in the will so that my wishes are known and that child can't come back and say, oh, but dad must have forgotten because, you know, after all, there are six kids. And uh, he always called me by the name of the other child. So since he gave the biggest inheritance to the other child, that must have been me. Okay? (laughs) You might be thinking, well, that's well and good, but I hear about will contests all the time, and that's true. One of the things that people do when they exclude certain individuals, because sometimes when you exclude somebody, what you know is that I might be excluding this person, but this person is also going to be the one who's going to bring to the table a whole lot of drama. And how then do I avoid the drama? So I can say, I want to exclude them, but is there anything else I can do? Actually, there is. One thing that some people do in their will is include a clause that says, if any of the people I don't want to inherit contest this will, they get nothing. It's intended to be a deterrent. Does it work 100% of the time? I'm sure it doesn't. But... Oftentimes, it does work, and it works to exclude or to stop people who otherwise might want to contest a will from actually doing so, okay? Now, let's think about those times when you do have an estate and you want to leave certain things to certain people. Um, What a lot of times people do, especially parents, is they'll say, oh, I want to be fair to all my children. So I've got this house. I'll leave it to both of my children. Or I've got this farm. I've got this, you know, physical property. I've got this car. I'm going to leave it to all three of my kids. My suggestion, and I've given this advice actually to, you know, even my mom because she had me take a look at her will, and I said, Mom, you've got, you know, you're leaving this house to me and my sister. I think you should pick one of us and just leave it to that sibling. Here's why. Even if, now my sister and I get along and we're both professionals, we're out there in the world, we've, you know, we're, we're, we're independent from my mother. So we need her estate to live well. 
However, even though we agree, if mom leaves a piece of property to the two of us, what it means, especially if it's something like real estate or a car, something that has a title, what it means is that we're both going to be titled on that piece of property. So if we, between the two of us, decide that actually one of us is going to have it, that means that somebody has to incur the expense of having to move that half of that property into the other sibling's name. It's, a, it's an additional step. It's an unnecessary step, and it's going to cost money because now we've got to find a lawyer. We've got to do some stuff to actually make that happen. Whereas if mom simply said, you know, I've got this house, I'm going to leave it to Speedway, I've got this farm, I'm going to leave it to Nesha, then, you know, that takes care of who does it belong to. Now, this gets really complex if, unlike my sister and I, you've got a situation where um, the kids don't get along, okay? Because now, not only do you still have to do the administrative stuff, but now you've got your siblings who are fighting over who actually gets it, right? Who's going to pay the mortgage? Who's going to do the upkeep and the maintenance? And oftentimes, especially when you've got multiple siblings, they're usually more responsible ones and less responsible ones. And the more responsible ones end up shouldering the financial burden of carrying a property that perhaps the less responsible ones still want to come and enjoy, and they will exert their legal right to do it because they're titled owners. They just don't want the headache of having to pay the mortgage, doing the upkeep, keeping up the place, and then it becomes a big headache. So these are the fights that parents unintentionally leave behind for their children just in the interest of trying to be fair. So don't try and be fair to your kids just Decide, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to go. This is what you're going to get. Suck it up. If you don't like it, it's my estate, my decision. My next tip, think about who your executor should be. Who is an executor? It used to be that it, you know, this person is called an executor. If it was male, it's called an executrix. If it's female, technically, that's the, those, that's the correct terminology, but it doesn't really matter. Um, the executor is the person who has to probate your estate when you die. Probating the estate basically means they have to file the will with the court and wind up all of your affairs, pay the bills, divide the property according to the will, uh, sue anybody they need to sue on your behalf, defend any uh, uh, lawsuits that are filed uh, against the estate, and, you know, do all the things that need to happen in order for your final affairs to be settled. Executors will often hire a lawyer to do most of this work, but they are always heavily involved in the process. You might be thinking, well, that's easy. I'm going to have as the executor of my estate my closest living relative. Maybe that's your mom. Maybe that's your dad. Maybe that's your spouse. Maybe it's your sibling. Maybe it's, you know, somebody in your family that you trust more than anybody else and whom you know is going to carry out your wishes exactly as you would like. The reason I ask you to give some thought to this is while this is a fine choice, just remember that the person 
who is closest to you is also going to be the biggest, the biggest basket case at the time of your <laughs> Yeah, that's how they're going to be feeling. When I practiced probate law, and I did it for about five, the first five years of my career, I cannot tell you the number of surviving spouses I saw walk into my office in a complete fog because of the shock and the horror of losing their loved ones. These people were completely just lost. They couldn't think. They couldn't eat. They couldn't function. They'd come in sometimes with just a box of stuff, plop it, at, plop it down and say, I need you to take care of this. The boss might have the will. The boss might have some, you know, checkbooks and bank records. The box would have a sock. There might be a stray shoe. Um, I mean, that's just how, how hard it is for someone to function after they lose a loved one. To this day, I cannot tell you what happened in the days following my father's death. I can't remember. It was just a blur. Um, on most days, I can't, I can't even tell you what day he died. I just remember it was somewhere at the end of April. And, and, and I'm a lawyer, right? So all that to say, if this is your, the person that you have tasked with the biggest responsibility after you're gone, just give it some thought. When my dad died, my mother could not read his will. Now, he knew his wife, and uh, because of that, my dad actually put the will in an envelope addressed to me and my sister because he knew that my mom wasn't going to read it. I read it. My sister read it. Um, some of my other relatives read it. I read it at the gathering of the family members. Uh, my uncle's law firm my mother's uh, brother, his law firm probated the will. And to this day, five years after my father's death, I don't think my mother's ever read that will. So <laughs> even if she was the executor of his estate, which actually I think going back as I recall, I think she was, she didn't read that will. She took it over to her brother's office and said, here, you take care of it. And he did. God bless him. Thank you very much, Uncle Wilson. But, um, you know, that's, that's just something to remember, that there is an impact that you're not being there is going to have on the people that you have left behind. This also takes me then to my next tip. Who do you tell about this will? Well, the easiest people, frankly, are your critical caregivers, your doctor, your dentist, uh, your nurse, whomever, your long-term caregiver, your in-home health provider. These are the easy people to talk to. If you have a living will or advanced directive telling them what you want done in the event that you are in a vegetative state, uh, do you want to be resuscitated, do you want to be kept alive, these are people who deal with this kind of conversation all the time. This is an easy conversation to have, and if you have preferences, you should have that conversation, and you should have the documentation to back it up, and you should give it to your doctor or your nurse or whomever to keep it in your medical file because that's where they're going to look if they need guidance. 
If you want to be an organ donor in countries like the United States, you can actually designate that on your driver's license. Why your driver's license? Because usually you're always going to have that with you. If you are in an accident and you are killed and they can find your driver's license and you want to be an organ donor, that is when it's going to be critical as to what they do with your organs. So think about those kinds of things and make plans. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, all this is kind of squeamish stuff. I have to plan this for when I die. Let me remind you that, first of all, you will die. We will all die. We are all going to meet the same end. It's only the how and the when that we're wondering and curious about, but you will die. And the fact that you don't think about it, you don't plan for it, uh, the fact that you don't make provisions for your friends, your family members, the people closest to you does not change the fact that it will happen. With 100% certainty, it will happen. Sometimes the harder thing is talking to your family about stuff like this. You don't want to scare your kids. Maybe your spouse is like my mom. Whenever my dad tried to talk to her about estate planning, she would absolutely freak out and refuse to discuss it. And I know that because she told me that after he died. She refused to talk to him about it. La, 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 I can't hear you. I mean, it just terrified her. The idea of of life after my father just, it terrified her. She didn't want to deal with it. So she didn't. And instead, he talked to his lawyer. He talked to some of my male cousins about his wishes and the things that he was thinking about because, you know, men talk manly, you know, manly kind of stuff, I guess. Uh, I always thought that was curious that he didn't tell, he didn't talk to his daughters about it. But, hey, that was my dad. Um, In hindsight, my mother, uh, you know, thought kind of that was uh, not the best approach because, first of all, it didn't stop him from dying, but it did mean that there were things that he didn't tell her that he might have told her, and that might have been important had she been willing to listen. But even if you have somebody like my mom that you know is just, just can't handle that conversation, this too can be overcome with explicit instructions that you store along with your will. My suggestion to you is there are other things that you need to have associated with your estate planning process besides your will. You should have a separate list of assets and liabilities that you put wherever you put your will. So if you put your will in an envelope in your safe, there should also be a list of your assets and liabilities in that safe. If you put it in a safety deposit box, if you file it with uh, your local probate county, uh, the, the probate court in your county because there are, uh, at least in the United States, many courts, probate courts, that will store your will for you. Great idea because now your family members can't get at it. Nobody else is going to get it to destroy it or do stuff with it. The trick is if you move, you've got to remember to go get it and put it in the next place. You also have to remember to tell somebody where your will and all the paperwork is. So if you put it in the county, um, normally they will always look after somebody dies to see if there's a record of a will that's stored there. So even if you forget to tell somebody that, if they probate your estate in the place where you lived, 
they'll probably run into it. But best to be on the safe side, have it someplace, and have somebody know where it is. Kids and relatives may have different preferences about what's actually in your will. So my, my suggestion to you is be careful who you tell about what is in your will. Remember, this is your will. This is your stuff. So it is your choice, right? At the end of the day, don't be afraid of saying exactly what you want. Because at the end of the day, when you are gone and that door to your life is closed, you get to say whatever the heck you want to say in your will, and what are they going to do if they don't like it? They are certainly, no one is, is going to be able to come back and complain to you because guess what? You're going to be gone. So say what you want in your will. The fewer people you tell, the more you will have clarity about what you really want to do because nobody's going to be influencing you and trying to talk you out of it. If you change your mind, nobody will be the wiser. Don't try to be polite. Do what you want. This is your will. If you know your kids are well provided for and independent and you would rather leave your entire estate to your pet charity, do it. It's your money and you have to leave it all behind, right? You're not taking a penny with you. So once it's left behind, let it do what you really want it to do. Last tip, review your will at least once a year. Let's suppose you left custody of your children to your bestest best friend and her husband. But in the past year, not only did they get divorced, not only are they at each other's throats, but they're fighting over the custody of their own children. You have no idea how much, if any, of the mudslinging they're both doing is true, but the point is, with all of that turmoil in their household, do you still want them looking after your children? And if you do, perhaps now it's time to change your world to say, which one of these people? Because both of them clearly is not going to work since they're getting divorced, right? So these are the kinds of changes that happen in life. Maybe one of your children has turned 18 in the past year and is in a different situation from when you drafted that trust for him or her. Now perhaps you need to eliminate the trust as to that child and make a different provision because now the child is an adult. Maybe you haven't looked at your will for many years and you had left everything to your wife and now she is deceased. Maybe you left everything to your husband and now he is deceased, like my dad, right? So once my dad passed away, my mom had to think about what else she was going to do with her money because now she can't leave it all to my dad. Maybe you left part of your estate to your bestest best friend, but the two of you haven't spoken in years since one of you moved away, and you don't even know where he or she is anymore. Do you still want to leave that person all of the stuff that you left them that seemed like such a good idea 10 years ago? What do you really want to do with your estate? Maybe you left your Acura MDX to your sister, but you have since sold it, and there's nothing in your will about your current vehicle. 
what to do. Now, one way of addressing this is not to name the specific stuff that you have in the will itself. So rather than identifying your Acura MDX, maybe you just leave her the car or cars you possess at the time of your death. So in the event that you have now bought, you know, the cool hybrid electric car or you've bought yourself a BMW X5 instead, it doesn't matter. You don't have to change the world every time you sell a house or buy a house or sell a car or buy a car or, you know, do something different with a vehicle if you are general enough in how you describe that kind of stuff in your will. So that goes for your house, your furniture, uh, your bank accounts, anything that you have that is in your name that you're specifically identifying to give away. So that brings us to the end of this show. And hopefully you have now some things to think about. So whether you go, to, uh, whether you go online and, and get a form, I want you to have enough ammunition to know what kinds of things to think about. And hopefully this gives you a place to start. My suggestion is always, if in doubt, consult a lawyer, consult somebody, some professional about your estate plan. Don't do it all by yourself because at the time that is needed, it's kind of like insurance, right? Um, you might not need it for a long time, but that one time when you need it, it better be there and it better be right. So consult with a lawyer about your specific policies, your specific plans, your specific questions, your specific issues, and be sure and have the peace of mind that it's been handled correctly. That takes us to the end of this show. This is BYU saying tune in next week when we're going to be talking about living wills, powers of attorney, and advanced directives. Until then, this is BYU saying go in peace and make sure you get that well. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.